Welcome to the Unfeigned Faith Bible Study, where we'll be doing a weekly Bible study, typically going through a book of the Bible together, and uh, this will go alongside our regular Unfeigned Faith podcast. Thank you for joining us on this journey. This next portion of scripture, I'm going to try not to dive in too deep because uh, it's um, kind of some confusing things here, but uh, but it's something to be helpful uh, for us today. And so as we get into this, um, we're in Colossians 2. Uh, every day we've been just getting a, uh, trying to get a thought or two just that we can kind of dwell on throughout the day. And, and we're going through the book of Colossians. And uh, in Colossians 2, we've already talked about uh, some of the things that Paul is trying to address and deal with, uh, some of the cults, some of these different groups out there that have been um, uh, trying to pull the believers at Colossae uh, away from the truth and the simplicity of Christ. And so you had, uh, you had uh, the, the Gnostics uh, and, uh, and kind of uh, spiritism with that and, and uh, how, how that Christ was not necessarily in the flesh, but uh, the spiritual Christ. Um, and so he kind of addresses that, that, that he, he was manifest in the flesh. And, and then you have the Judaizer saying, uh, let's, let's go back to the law. You know, grace is good, grace is wonderful, but a real child of God is going to make sure he's under the law. And so he kind of addresses that and, and uh, how we're, we're uh, brought into Christ, we're baptized into his death. And then so, uh, so in verse, uh, uh, 13, we looked at how, how Christ took care of, um, of uh, our position as Gentiles, how we are, we, we go back to Adam and we got the, the Adamic sin nature through us. He took care of that. Uh, we didn't have the promise. We didn't have the covenant of the circumcision. So he says he's given us one made without hands, a spiritual one that, uh, that Christ uh, takes care of for us as he cuts off that old sinful flesh. And uh, so he takes care of the, the, that, that problem of self, how, where we are positionally. Then he takes care of the sin problem, the old condemning ordinances. And what does he do? He takes that list, that those sins, those ordinances, and he nails them to the cross. And uh, and so he takes care of that. And I just want to check something right here, make sure we're, we're going good. It's not showing me uh, that it's going out there, so make sure that everything's going live here. Uh, by the way, uh, I know I've kind of been a little sporadic on the time between two and three. I uh, put out a poll earlier asking about what would be the best time of day for for these. And of course, you can go back and watch them after they've been streamed. But uh, maybe uh, put something in the chat box there or uh, let us know what might be most convenient for you. And I'll try to get a good time of day going for everybody. And I uh, love to hear the comments. Love to see who all is uh, is watching and tuning in as these, I hope, are a blessing to you all. So, uh, so Paul took care of the sin issue, nailed it to the cross, or Jesus did. Uh, Paul is addressing these issues, and then he takes care of the spiritual problem, the 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 of, of Satan and the demonic realm. They no longer have a grip on us. He he spoiled principalities and powers, and he made a show of them openly, triumphing in them. So with all of this in mind, we find ourselves in verse sixteen, and Paul says this: "Let no man, therefore, because of all this information, judge you." in meat, in drink, in respect of a holy day, or of the new moon, or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. And so, 
So these groups, and by the way, be careful when you when you when you come across somebody who's taking things out of balance. If they're real extreme on something, watch it because they're probably way out of balance in another area. And so, uh, so this ties into a lot of areas. Uh, we have, we have, of course, the Judaizers, and they're emphasizing the Sabbath, and they're emphasizing certain aspects of the law, holy days. All right, special Sabbaths, special days that that, that we want to elevate or exalt, and and uh, and be careful. Even with the holidays that we celebrate, let's be careful. Uh, because a lot of them may have some some pagan roots or those kind of things behind them. But but he says, let no man judge you in holy days. Maybe I want to take a special day and worship God. Uh, maybe I want to 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 take some time aside. Or or you know the other side. You know I just don't feel um, like this is uh, a holiday, so to speak, that that is necessary. Uh, for example, today today a lot of people are celebrating Good Friday. I don't particularly. Uh, uh, celebrate the Good Friday. First of all, I believe Christ was crucified on a Wednesday. See our Wednesday night Bible study about that one that we did this last Wednesday. But um, but in addition to that, that's a uh, uh, that's a Catholic holiday. Of uh, I'm not a Catholic, and uh, now I will celebrate. And we talk in this time of year, uh, especially my family. We talk much of the cru- uh, crucifixion, the sacrifice of Christ. We've even looked at it in Colossians here, and uh, um, you know I remember last year. Um, it was this day last year. Our uh, our uh, governor was uh, had been doing um, going across the whole state talking about um, his budget agenda and and uh, they needed a venue uh, to come to our area, North Pole, and so uh, so he put a uh, had an open meeting at our church in the middle of the day when people are at work and, and things like that. And uh, boy, I got blasted in the newspaper. Uh, uh, what kind of church is this that's having the governor speak on Good Friday of all days? And and uh, <laughs> I thought that was, you know, well, that kind of falls into this. Let no man judge you in a holy day uh, and, and those things, and, or of meat, or in drink. You know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, whatsoever you do, um, uh, or, or uh, um, whether, you, uh, whether you eat or you drink, uh, do it to the glory of God. And, uh, and and what's he talking about here? He's talking about Romans addresses this about food that uh, that many of the Jews would abstain from uh, some of that Old Testament law, um, uh, food or drinks. You know there was uh, drink offerings and and all these things. You know we don't, don't want to get again too deep into this as going to the Old Testament and some of the those rituals and everything. And uh, but then he says in respect of holy, holy days or a new moon or of the Sabbath days. It's interesting that he specifically points out Sabbath days. Now there was the weekly Sabbath, there were special Sabbaths, and um, and I think today, e- even today, there are several groups that that say, well, no. Uh, uh, in fact, um, the Seventh Day Adventist group uh, believe that worshiping church, uh, worshiping God on Sunday, is a is the mark of the beast. I I don't know how they come to that conclusion, honestly. But the reality is the Sabbath. Uh, was first of all never given to a Gentile. It was a, uh, in fact, if you go back to the God instituting the Sabbath, He said it was a perpetual covenant between me and thee, talking to Israel, uh, between between me and you. He says perpetual. It means it's ongoing; it doesn't change. This was something special for them. But in addition to that, uh, notice what it says in verse seventeen: "There are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ." The Sabbath. What is that about? The Sabbath represents the old system, okay, uh, under the law, the old dispensation. And it was a picture pointing to our rest, which would be in Christ. Hebrews 4, the whole chapter is about that. 
and how Christ is our rest. He is my Sabbath. And, uh, and it says, whether you esteem one day above another or esteem them all alike, uh, Romans uh, 14, let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. You see, my Sabbath, my rest in Christ is every day. Okay. Now we have, uh, we tend to come together and assemble on what we call the Lord's Day, Sunday. By the way, that's not Sabbath. Uh, uh, that's, that's Sunday. That's the first day of the week. And, uh, and they've been doing that really since the resurrection of Christ. Uh, it symbolized his resurrection, the new, uh, everything's uh, new and afresh. So we come together on the first day of the week, and, uh, and they've been doing it ever since. Um, when, I, when I first heard that claim that, uh, that worshiping on Sunday was uh, instituted by Constantine and a sign of uh, uh, the mark of the beast, I decided, okay, well, I'll do some homework. And let me go back through. First of all, let's start with Scripture. Did they meet on Sunday? Yes. Okay. And they'll say, well, no, no, they went to the synagogue on Saturday. That's because no one would be there in the synagogue on Sunday <laughs> because they met there. If you're trying to reach Jews in the synagogue, it only makes sense that you're going to show up on the day that they are assembled together. And so, uh, uh, so, 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 so that's the first start. Okay. And, uh, and it talked about them meeting on the first day. In fact, I uh, remember it was Sunday night that Jesus met with his disciples. They were locked in that upper room. They closed, the doors being shut. Jesus came in and stood in the midst. That was Sunday night. That was Sunday evening school, uh, church, all right? Seven days later, it says eight days later, we're referring to the next Sunday. God, show, Christ shows up again. And that's the time when Judas, uh, not Judas, uh, Thomas was there with them because uh, he wanted to see the sign. So he meets, uh, uh, Jesus sees the sign, with, he touches his hands and his side and, and, uh, and, and says, my Lord and my God, and falls down worshiping him. But that was Sunday evening. And so, uh, uh, so, so, so we have these examples of scripture. So, so then I started you know, reading through history and what do I find? I find certain church leaders in the first century, in the second century, before Constantine. Now what were they doing? They kept referring to Sunday being the Lord's day. Uh, the first day of the week being the Lord's Day and uh, and those kind of things. But again, would it be a sin to have church Saturday night? No. <laughs> would it be a sin to have 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 church Tuesday? No. I mean, this is the liberty we have in Christ. Uh, you know, again, he took the handwriting ordinances. He he he, he abolished it. He 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 said uh, uh, it's not about this anymore. It's about a relationship. It's not these do's and don'ts to to make sure you have a right standing with God. Christ makes our standing right, okay? In fact, Romans uh, 10, Christ is the end of the law. He's the end of the law. And, uh, and so now we say, okay, uh, rather than the, the letter of the law and the, the, you know, crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's, we ask, we ask this question, what pleases God? How can I make him happy? If I'm not my own, I've been bought with a price, and I'm to glorify God with my body and my spirit, which are God's. How do I do that? What makes him, what pleases him as my master? Okay. And, uh, and that's now kind of the approach that we have with it. So he says these things, all these rituals, all these things, they're a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. You go back, you better go back to the, the tabernacle. You go back to the temple. It's all pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. Every aspect of it. Well, you know, we're talking about him uh, uh, being crucified, all right? And, uh, and then in the grave, well, the crucifixion, what is that? The lamb, the lamb slain, 
All right, even in Revelation, it refers to him, uh, he still has the wounds. It says a testimony uh, for what he did, the lamb as it had been slain. But he was the sacrificial lamb. You know what else he was? He was the scapegoat. Uh, in the Old Testament, on the Day of Atonement, they would sacrifice a lamb, but then they would, they would uh, put their hands on this goat, and they would symbolically transfer the sins onto this goat, and then send him out into the wilderness, send him out of the camp. Uh, uh, the, and so here's what happens. Our sins were transferred onto Christ, the scapegoat. He's the Sabbath. He's our rest. We no longer have to work and labor for our standing with God. He made it possible. Uh, he is our rest. We rest in him. Okay, and on and on the list goes. Verse 18, let no man beguile you of your reward, of your reward in a voluntary humility and wor of uh, worshiping of angels, introducing into those things which uh, he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. You say, what in the world did I just read? Let no man beguile you uh, of your reward in a voluntary humility. This is the way they come to you. It's in, a, it's in this humility, and it's a feigned humility because the last part of the verse says they're puffed up. That's another word for they're proud. Okay, so this isn't a real humility. And by the way, the cults and false religions are going to have this these approaches. And so, so he's going to kind of lay into some ideas here uh, to, to, to look out for. They come with a false humility, and what are they going to do? They're going to beguile you, trick you. Remember earlier in the chapter, uh, the subtlety that draws us away, that pulls us away. Remember the Bible talks about how the devil beguiled Eve in the, in, in the subtlety. It was a, a kind of trickery. And so very similarly, he says, jumping back to verse 8, let no, uh, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. Uh, after traditions of men, and, and in verse 4, and this I say, lest any man should beguile you, there it is again, with enticing words. They're going to draw you in with some words and some ideas. And, uh, and so many times, and look out for this, because here is where the, where the cults come from. Uh, it's going to be extra biblical uh, thoughts, ideologies, enticing words. And, uh, and we need to be so careful. That's why, as a fundamentalist, we are settled in the scriptures. We are saying it's the word of God. Hey, you don't have to understand everything about this, but I will say this. I need, you need to make sure it's coming from here, coming from the very word of God. Because uh, otherwise, we'll be pulled away. We're going to be beguiled. And so uh, uh, so he says this, they're going to beguile you in their false humility. And, uh, and, and, and what are some of these things? Worshiping of angels. You know, it's interesting. The only times you find someone trying to worship an angel in the Bible, the angel corrected them. And you see it in, uh, in Revelation 19, verse 10, John uh, bowed down before the angel. And he said, no, 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 get up. I'm not going to have this. You know, there's one worthy of our worship. All right. However, when you see an unclean spirit or a demonic angel, they won't worship. Remember, remember Lucifer when he fell, Isaiah 14. He said, I will be like the Most High. All right. He told Jesus when he tempted him in the wilderness, he said, bow down to me and all this will be yours. You see, that's one of the identifying marks that we see in Christ, though, is he allowed people to worship him. Why? Because he's God, God in the flesh. All right. Thomas said to my Lord and my God, and Jesus did not correct him. However, when you'd see uh, people tried to worship the, the apostles and they said, whoa, get up. <laughs> we're, we're just men. All right. And, uh, and, and you see that. So, by the way, I don't think uh, the apostles, even uh, today, if, if they were to come back and we ask them, do you appreciate 
uh, prayers? Do you appreciate worship? They'd say, no, one deserves worship. One is the one that we pray to, and the fa- even the Father. And, and, uh, and so, so we ought not to fall into that, but, but it talks about the worshiping of angels. People might say, I had a vision from an angel, and, and uh, you know these open revelations. There are no more revelations. Uh, God has given us his word. And by the way, if God revealed something to you by means of inspiration, like we get the, the scriptures, uh, a, a revelation, that's the word of God. If, in fact, God spoke, we would say, we need to take what he told you, and we need to write it down and add it to the Bible, if, in fact, God spoke it. But the last chapter of the Bible says this, don't add to it. Don't take away from it. And uh, so we need to be so careful. It's completed. The canon is closed. And he's given us everything he has. And we, we base it on that. So what do the cults do? They, 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 they introduce things. They beguile with a false humility. And by the way, um, uh, many times they come very humble. Um, uh, they'll say, you know, we just want to meet with you. And maybe we'll have some Bible studies. Would you like to have some Bible studies in your home? And maybe you can ask some questions. And and uh, they're very crafty, and uh, and they'll, they'll they'll beguile you, and uh, so be so careful. Make sure you're grounded in scriptures, especially in this of who Jesus is. John makes it very clear in, in his uh, uh, in First John, the spirit of Antichrist is one that denies the deity of Christ, plain and simple. It denies that he came in the flesh, dealing with the Gnostics, uh, but 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 even beyond that, denies who he said he was. Oh, he was just a man, or he's a prophet, or uh, a good teacher. Uh, no, no, he is God. And we need to make sure that we have that settled. Um, Let no man beguile you uh, for reward in a voluntary humility of your reward, uh, worshiping of angels, introducing into those things which he hath not seen. Um, We had a vision. We have, here's a new revelation. Here's a new thing. And by the way, there's always something new. Be careful. You know, Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. Now, maybe you'll see something you never saw before. I love when that happens. My eyes are open. Wow, I never saw that before. I get excited because the Word of God is alive and it is powerful and it's going to show you things. Uh, but but be careful when there's like a new doctrine that arises or a new idea um, and, and these kinds of things. We uh, uh, There are groups out there, you know, uh, uh, there's a group, The Last Revival. Uh, uh, there's these apostolic groups. Be careful with these uh, these new visions, these new revelations, and and uh, and look at them closely because uh, here's what you're going to find when you when you when you, you try to nail them down on the gospel at the root of every cult, every false doctrine, every false denomination. Here's what's at the root: works. They won't call it that. They don't know how we believe we're saved by grace. Watch them. Watch them. Works. And, uh, and many of these teach that you can lose your salvation. What does that mean? That means works. If, if I did nothing to get it, what, what, what makes me think I could do something to keep it? Okay? Uh, unless it's works. All right? So we need to be so careful with that. Uh, uh, either I'm working for my salvation, which diminishes the sacrifice of Christ, or I'm trusting in Christ for my salvation by faith. And there's no more. Christ is the end of the law. There is no more work. There is no, no more required. All right, uh, let's let's move on. So so he says uh, he's introducing things that they had not seen. All right, I had a vision. I had a, a revelation. Uh, uh, an angel descended and gave me the golden tablets, and I wrote the Book of Mormon. You know uh, these kinds of things. These are these are these are uh, nothing new under the sun. Again, this is what was happening to to Colossi. Cults were addressing them. The Judaizers were addressing them and trying to pull them away, beguile them from Christ. All right. And then he says this, vainly puffed up by his flesh 
by his fleshly mind. What is this rooted in? By the way, all these cults, they, 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 uh, they have this mentality. We have understanding that you don't have. We have an idea. We have a thought. We have a doctrine that you don't understand. And, uh, and uh, so we want to show it to you that you might more fully understand. Now, there are things that I don't understand uh, in the scriptures. I'll be, I'll be the first one to admit. There are things that uh, Bible believers, many don't understand or even don't agree on. But, uh, but when you start saying, you're going to need us, you know. I was talking to a, a Mormon one time, and he said, well, you need our book to help better understand your book. Um, by the way, uh, why would God... Uh, release a commentary on the book he gave us so many centuries after he gave us a complete book, all right? Um, he gave us the commentary. He gave us what he wanted us to have. The best commentary in the Bible is the Bible itself. And by the way, I don't want to go to a book that its first contradiction is in the introduction. That's the Book of Mormon, very first contradiction in the introduction. You go read it and see if you find it. Um, I'd rather have a book that does not contradict, that was divinely inspired from God, and, uh, uh, and and go from there. Let's see, where are we at? Um, verse 19. And not holding the head from which all the body, uh, all the body by joints and bands, having nourishment, ministered, and knit together, increase with the increase of God. So here's the, con here's the concept. On the one hand, people pulling away new ideas, new visions, new angels, new all these things, uh, holy days, and, and let's go back to the old things. Let's go back to, the, uh, let's, let's draw in some new things. And he says, here's what you're missing. Uh, they're not holding the head, capital H. Who's the head, by the way? Christ is the head of the church, all right? And, uh, and, and we have to have that set, uh, settled. If he's the head of the church, how do we know if we're following him? Well, he gave us his word. Christ is the word. So we go to the word and say, well, here's what the head has for us. Here's what he wants us to do. And if anybody is resisting what is laid out plainly in scripture, then, 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 then here's the point. They are not following the head. The head is Christ. All right? Well, I know the Bible says that, but, well, well you stop following the head. Well, this is twenty two, you know, twenty twenty right now, and and things are a little different. Nope, stop, stop, stop! You're not following the head. The head is Christ. He's given us the word. He's laid out uh, uh, what he wants for us, and especially as we talk about the church, New Testament, as he's given us the doctrine. He's given us uh, everything we need for this day and age that we live in. All right, and um, and so uh, so he says, let no man beguile or. or uh, um, Verse 19, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increaseth with the increase of God. You know how I want to increase? I want to increase that comes from God as we're knit together, as we're unified together. You know what happens? The, the cults, they want unity. Uh, uh, denominations that are in error, you know what they want? They want unity, an ecumenical unity. Let's set aside everything that divides us. And what ends up happening is it's a false humility and it's, it's apostasy because you have to set aside that which divides. And what divides? What the head said. What Christ said. Yeah, he, it always divides. It's always a dividing line. If you're on this side of what Christ said, guess what? We can fellowship. But if you're on that side and opposing what Christ said, uh, we don't really have fellowship. Amos 3.3, can two walk together except they be agreed? The answer is no, they can't. 
And so it sounds good in humanly thinking. In fact, he even pointed it out. He said, they have a fleshly mind. Humanly speaking, we say, probably we can get a lot more done if we all just kind of come together. And what ends up happening is we don't talk about the things that divide. So we stop talking about the blood atonement. We stop talking about miracles. We stop talking about uh, salvation. We stop talking about uh, all these issues. We stop talking about the virgin birth. We stop, We take away the fundamentals. And what do we have that's left? I'll tell you what, Christianity has now been set aside, and, and it may have the same name, but, but it is gone. And all you have left is humanism. All you have left is uh, intellectualism, spiritism, mysticism, all these isms, and they're apart from Christ. Why? Because we didn't follow the head. We're not knit together. There's nothing that binds us. There's nothing that holds us together. He says knit together and increasing. What's the increase? Well, what Paul prayed for back in chapter 1. That we'd increase in our understanding and our knowledge that we're grounded, that we know him and he knows us. There's this this communion that's taking place. Why? Because of the word. So we get in there and it says... uh, uh, Nourishment knit together increases with the increase of God. And next we're going to talk about uh, some things that if in fact we are dead, if we're actually buried, then some things are going to take place. But notice how all this builds on each other. He's addressing some very important issues that we're still facing today, but it all builds on each other. If this, then this. If this, then this. And so so we see our position. We see what he has brought us into. He took care of uh, from the first Adam. He's brought us into the second Adam. The sin issue that the, that the ordinances were against, he took it out of the way, nailed it to his cross, and uh, has forgiven us all trespasses. Oh yeah, in the demonic realm that's at us and attacking us, he's made a show of them openly, and he triumphed in them, and we're placed in Christ. And so now, what's the trick of the devil? He's going to try to beguile us with enticing words, with these thoughts. Well, have you considered this deeper knowledge? Have you considered this greater truth? And, and we start building on all these things, and, and he says, let's step back. Follow the head. Let's make sure that we're knit together. All right? And so, folks, here's here's the challenge. Let's get in the Word. If you're reading the same Bible that I'm reading, and you've got the same Holy Spirit that I have, if you've experienced the same salvation that I've experienced, there is going to be an automatic unity that takes place. We may disagree on some things here and there, but there's a unity. You know, I used to always enjoy uh, going to... uh, uh, men's conference or uh, or leadership conferences of like-minded churches. And you'd meet people for the first time and you feel like you've known them forever. There's something so familiar about them. I'll tell you what it is. My spirit and their spirit have the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. And, and, and he knows himself. He, he draws us together. And it is such sweet fellowship. And uh, sometimes you might come across and you think, that's of a different spirit. I don't know. Uh, I'm not one to just necessarily just judge if someone's saved or not saved, but uh, but uh, but let me tell you, when the Spirit is alive, and well, the Bible talks about how the Holy Spirit is going to be flowing out of you as uh, springs of living water, and uh, when when someone is walking with God at that level, and and, and uh, there's this just a camaraderie, and boy, I know this one, and uh, and it's a blessing. I sure appreciate you folks as we've been going through this study. You've been such an encouragement to me, and. Uh, and I sure appreciate it. I hope this has been a blessing. 